Looks like it's time to put Graham McNeil to bed, along with some of our favorite characters on this episode of Zero to 40K. Hello, everyone, to this final, final episode for False Gods of Zero to 40K. We're going to be breaking down the last few chapters of his opus, and uh, things are really good. Our things have kicked off. They're thoroughly, thoroughly off. They have kicked. And to help me go through all the nonsense today are my co-hosts, as always, uh, Eric. Eric, hello. How are you? Hey. I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Walter? I'm I'm excited. We're 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 done. We're gonna go on to some serious. I, I'm I, I'm really stoked about where this series is going now. So we're like getting to the meat mm-hmm. of it. So yeah, this this book finished finished well. I think yes, finished. It stuck, strong. It stuck its landing. <laughs> Let's see what we all think of that, Sarah. Hello, <laughs> how are you? Hi, hi. I'm doing all right. I know you've had thoughts on Mr. McNeil. So where 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 yeah. are you at now that he's he's wrapped up this this first of his heresy novels? I really liked the end actually of this book. I thought he I agree with Eric. He he stuck the landing. There were some parts that didn't work for me leading up to this point, but um yeah, I really enjoyed these last few chapters. Oh. Yeah, they're making they're coming through in the end. And Shannon, yeah. Shannon, hello. I you know I, I there were a lot of things to really like about this book. I I enjoyed it, um, but I'm excited to see what the next chapter or the next book <laughs> brings. Ah. <laughs> and um, and as a note to our listeners, I I'm finding it interesting that Walter is still kind of going around the table to introduce us, kind of in a clockwise fashion from him. Even though <laughs> um, you may have noticed the audio might sound a little different this time, we are actually all in separate locations recording instead of in our dungeon studio. Well, we're well, not all in different places. Henry Cavill that's and true. I. That's true. Cardboard Cavill and Walter are still in the studio. Cardboard. Have we ever talked about Yeah, well, I have on the Instagram and Facebook pages for sure. Yeah, but okay. yeah, we have a cardboard cutout of Henry Cavill in our studio as inspiration. Warhammer inspiration. Although I need, and, and the rest of us are transitioning to various parts of space. That's the term, right, Walter? It's not a you transition into places. Uh, you translate. You translate. You translate it. in and out of the warp. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So we couldn't all be in the same place today because we're <laughs> right. traversing yep, yep. time and we're space. We're sending yes. our messages to you via astropaths <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if we say See, none of us are at zero anymore we all know so much about 40k yeah where are yes that's a good point i feel like we're definitely getting close to like a like a six or seven on the on the <laughs> yeah definitely not a, not a six or seven k mind um, you just a six or a seven no, six or seven. I was going to say at first, I was like, where are you going? <laughs> Certainly single digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, we're we're getting there, though. I think I feel pretty proud of us. We know a lot about Warhammer now. Yeah. Whether yeah. we wanted to or that, not. More than the vast majority. <laughs> well, dragged kicking and screaming. That's the theme of the show. So here we are. Um, but are we ready to dive into this? I'm I'm excited to mm-hmm. talk about these Action last packed. few false gods action packed mm-hmm. yes really there i felt i sorry walter go oh, ahead oh i'm just saying they're backloading all their violence in this book so oh. mm-hmm. and they backloaded all the gay well. i think too which is i was gonna <laughs> uh, yeah i had a note about that i think yeah. this is why yeah. we're, at, 
why Sarah and I have turned on this. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I softened <laughs> a bit. We're definitely going to have to save the quote backloaded the gay. <laughs> and as a reminder, just in case this is the only episode you're listening to, we don't mean that in a derogatory way. We love we love the gay in here. No. More gay, please. Yeah, I am. I am the gay and I love the gay. So. <laughs> but let's get into it. So chapter 19, Petronella has a cunning plan. Loken gets his ass whooped and Horace needs a mustache to twirl. So we we start with with Petronella um, at her escritoire, which I did write down because I love the word escritoire. Um, I mean, it's just a fancy yeah. word for a writing desk, but it's not a 40K thing, unfortunately, but it should be a cyber escritoire or whatever. But <laughs> or they spell um, it with a Y. She's writing. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Throw some Ys in there. That makes it sci-fi fantasy for sure. Um, but she's furiously writing all of her notes from Horace's big confession. Um, we get some. Uh, some insight into that, but I think the most important insight we get is confirmation that she's banging Maggard. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I yeah, bookmarked I didn't, that page. So. I didn't sit roll. roll I didn't well like it me. either. I didn't. It made me, it made me yes. very uncomfortable to realize. But that's uh, that's rape. Yeah. It just didn't yeah. anybody Yeah, and was even wondering. if he's being vigorous about it. Yeah, his vigor yeah. as a concubine was improved. So. Yeah, I don't uh, like gross. that. She's yeah. so gross. So there's one sentence here that was early on that I wanted to point out where she says, or she thinks she has teased out information no one had contemplated before. Secrets of the Primarchs that had not seen the light of day since the Great Crusade had begun and truths that would rock the Imperium to its very core. And she teased out, really? Did you do anything? <laughs> anything? You, <laughs> he he freely volunteered. Hey, come all of in that here. I'm going to tell you all my secrets. Apropos of yeah. nothing. Well, this is why her and Carcassy. This is why her and Carcassy are kind of two mm. peas in a pod, um, because I think they both have an over overestimation of their abilities. It's like, yes, I did that. I am the best documentarist. Mm. Of I sat next to the most famous man in the Imperium, and he told mm -hmm. me a bunch of stuff. There's but, a lot of parallels there yeah. too, as we yeah. see. Between oh, well, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> saw some parallels between Petronella and Horace in this, though, where she's like, oh. Maggard and I are walking through the ship and people are paying him respect and not me the horror. Yes. How dare they not pay attention to her? Um, but yeah, she, she is desperately writing thinking. Yeah. So you brought up that she's really mad that no one wants to talk to her. All of the space Marines are, are freezing her out. She is unable to tease any secrets from them, apparently. So she gets the bright idea of sending Maggard because everyone respects Maggard. So sending him out to talk to all this. Well, not talk to interact with all the space <laughs> Marines to try to get whatever information. And she does the sort of mean. I mean, I guess she's assuming other people will be mean where it's like everyone's going to think you're an idiot because you can't talk. So they'll probably let stuff slip around you. And then I really like that that in a lot of ways. I mean, spoilers for later, but foreshadowing kind of led to her downfall because I think she underestimated uh -huh. Maggard. Yes. <laughs> and how she thought they only respected him because he's a man <laughs> and she's a woman. And I, I think it's a lot deeper than that because that ends up being her downfall. Like it's the whole hubris thing, which again is a parallel for Horace, I think is 
like what I predict will happen, I guess, for Horace in the future. But she's so sure everyone will think he's an idiot and that she has this clever plan and it does not work out for her. <laughs> yeah. At all. Because she's, she's like a little, underestimating little baby horse. Him. Yeah. Um, she also breaks out her Nemo quill and Lethwell again, which I, again, love everything about that that's a piece of technology in the 40k universe that she has her special psychic pen that can read people's thoughts and transcribe them but again sorcery is not allowed but you can have psychic pens <laughs> um but this is all fine anyway that's that leaves petronella for now she sends Magrid out to go do the things and that brings us to horace and friends talking to karn and we get to meet karn for the first time because much like the last book i think they did the same thing they're like here's a bunch of characters at the end that we're going to introduce and not <laughs> Not like introduce these characters throughout the books, but they're going to be important and we're going to have a bunch of them and a bunch of new names right at the end here, uh, just in time for the book to rapidly come to mm -hmm. a close. I'm glad that you confirmed that they're all new because I thought for sure we had <laughs> met them before and I would just. Well, I'll, I, I'll tell you, I would have remembered Karn for his accent and. Um, oh, I'm ooh. excited so, to hear yes, Karn. Let's go ahead and give acting. a listen here. Citadel may be able to adapt said Captain Khan, angrily gripping the haft of his axe. But it will not be able to stand before the fury of the Twelfth Legion. The sons of Angron will tear the beating heart from that fortress for you, Warmaster. Have no doubt of that. All right. So that was Karn wow. as, as wow. Toby Longworth has a... envisioned him. And so... You mean as Yakov Smirnoff envisioned him? <laughs> so... Well, that was what I was wondering is, Walter, is there some reason why Karn would have such a distinct accent from... I mean, it makes sense for everyone to have... They all come from different yeah. planets, so them having different accents, but he comes from Spartacus planet, right? Like, that is... I mean, okay, you'll sort of, you see it later with Angron and his gladiatorial outfit, yeah. but he comes okay. from Spartacus world, and he their story is Spartacus. So to do this, like, again, very... We will tear the beating heart Ooh, of the citadel. That was really is, good. Impression. Wow. That's <laughs> really good. It's, uh, it's all just me doing Tim Curry from um, Command and Conquer Red Alert. Uh, I think it is the entire. We'll go to the one place capitalism hasn't ruined outer space. Anyway, there's that's my timely reference of the day. A video game from late 90s, early 2000s. So Spartacus is. is notoriously. Russian, Russian, so it really works for yes. this choice. So I, I had no idea that that was the direction Toby was going to go, and I am here for it. That's Karn in my view from now on. So he I saw the, the little, best ways he's done. <laughs> he saw the little, uh, he saw the little carrot above the A in Karn's name, and it's like strange <laughs> Russian to me. So I don't think that's true. <laughs> that will do it. I don't. I also don't know what that means. I mean, I just pronounce it. Karn, and I've always heard mm -hmm. it pronounced Karn, but I don't know what the little what the little thing yeah. above the A is know. supposed to indicate. There's like a carrot is Karn above a the big A deal? in the spelling of Because Karn. I feel like I had heard that name prior to this. Like, is he someone you read about previously and talked to me? I have undoubtedly okay. talked about Karn at some point. Karn is a, Karn is a name that uh, that will continue on yeah. the Warhammers. But we, uh, so yes, but we see so some of our names. old uh, favorites, our old faves in this chapter, where he's mm -hmm. basically going around and saying, "I need all of you to pinky swear that you will follow me into whatever <laughs> I want to do." Uh, and 
So yeah, yeah, yeah but this time, yeah, this was specific to, in this, I don't know if you, I, maybe I'm glossing past Karn here, but to get to Regulus, because I want to talk about him too. <laughs> um, we don't have to, I mean, he just tells, basically for plot's sake, he just tells Karn, hey, get Angron sh- to get mm-hmm. his shit together and blow up the Citadel because this invasion's taking mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, that'll light a fire under well, Angron. Like, he didn't give him good orders. He's I just wish like, Karn had pulled a Horus and been like, oh, yes, why didn't we think of that? Just do better. <laughs> right. Fight, because fight that more is basically what he turns fighting. around to Regulus and does. Because Regulus is like, we must, well, we must have those STC machines. And he's like, thank you, Adept. I had quite forgotten. <laughs> I think a lot of people do the, a lot of people do the, somebody says something obvious and they have to do the like yeah. eye rolly. It's like, oh, is that what we're supposed I'm, to be doing? I think uh, yes. Loken and Torgadden have a couple of them I'm later on. I'm yeah, surprised that, Graham that, goes that thank well you, Captain Obvious, lot. didn't make its way to 30K. It's <laughs> <laughs> very much the tone. So I am also surprised. Well, it's because of a uh, fourth captain of the Luna Wolves, Captain <laughs> Obvious. Uh, just it makes it confusing if they use that joke. I wish that was true. <laughs> so, Is it true? Uh, no, somebody that's not needs true. to. It's I. So come on, Graham. You have a chance to make this right. Maybe and, they'll get that in the show. Maybe we'll get yes. something from our mysterious listener. And then somebody oh, says something about Captain Obvious to Loken, and he takes it literally. He's like, "Oh, is he here?" <laughs> He doesn't have time for metaphors, Shannon. Is, is Captain Obvious a member of these lodges? Mm-hmm. So I like it. So anyway, you, you are eager to talk yeah, about Regulus, do you, I can tell. Let's, I, I say let's go ahead and do that. I mean, while we're in the clips, while we're digging around the clips. So we're, so here's the thing. Toby's. I've played him before, but in this scene, I felt the voice made this seem so much more predatory um, on the part of Horace, like he's convincing a 1980s level AI to agree to back him <laughs> in, in, you know, anyway, it's his, his browbeating a speech. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what he's doing. So let's go ahead and listen to that one, too. We must have those STC machines, said Regulus. Yes, thank you, Adept. I had quite forgotten that, said Horus. I know very well what those machines represent, even if the fools who control them do not. My order will compensate you handsomely for them, my lord, said Regulus. Horus smiled and said, At last we come to it, Adept. Come to what, my lord? Do not think me a simpleton, Regulus, cautioned Horus. I know of the Mechanicum's quest for the ancient knowledge. Fully functional construct machines would be quite a prize, would they not? Beyond imagining, admitted Regulus, to rediscover the thinking engines that drove humanity into the stars and allowed the colonization of the galaxy is a prize worth any price. Wow. Yeah, that voice really uh, stands out when it has a long passage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's just such an interesting um, choice. And especially since what I came to learn in this passage that maybe I didn't quite realize before, which is how he really does just have a bunch of human organs. I mean, he's not speaking through a speaker. He has 
lungs and a mouth, right? I, I don't know why he sounds like that. Well, probably a bunch of those are oh, okay. replaced. Like the Mechanicum are all about like subbing parts in and out. So like some are more or less human. Like the important part is that you still have to have basically a human brain. You're not allowed to do. They're not allowed to mm-hmm. do actual AI because mm-hmm. Dune again. Yeah. They stole from Dune. Yes, Dune rules apply. <laughs> uh, so you have to have like your brain in there, but you can modify that brain. And, you know, you want to get closer to the sacred machine. So, you know, they often replace a bunch of parts. And so they also. Uh, I was. Oh, go ahead. I was envisioning more for the voice, though, like with that in mind, like more Optimus Prime and less Hal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because. Yes. And that's the thing. Regulus just doesn't sound like he has any emotions. He doesn't sound and he sounds honestly kind of childlike, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. We must have yes. that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think it, yeah, it undercuts the drama of the moment mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> like the, S- <laughs> the STC machines are Pokemon he's trying to collect. <laughs> right, yes, he wants to get them all. them all. He's got yeah. his collection, and he's eager it's to show the very <laughs> best. <laughs> so um, do Regulus Bros, or whatever their group is called, do they start with those, um, like, the cow says moo when they're little? <laughs> And I think so. Make their that, way up. That's actually just what he installed in his. I'm just imagining know, he's walking box. around pulling on a string when he needs to talk. <laughs> yes. The space marine says looper call. <laughs> so, <laughs> they do. Um, oh, yeah. I like the idea of a string, though, that like every in between sentences, he's yanking this cord mm-hmm. to to make There's that happen. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we get and and as Eric was alluding to, uh, we get a lot of Horace being like, I'm going to need you later on. I'm going to ask you to do something and I need to know that you're going to do it. And nobody's like, well, what what is what is it? What's the thing you're going to want me to do? That's really dramatic. And they're like, we don't have time to get into that. I just need to know that when I want you to do something insane later, you're going to be OK with it. And I feel people are way too cavalier about being like, yeah. Okay, um, whatever you say, I guess. So, but his presence is so seductive. I guess that's Walter, true. <laughs> He's as I, we learn later. I'm forgetting. Ooh, yes, I'm forgetting the seductive nature of his very presence. Um, but yeah, so he's he's obviously he's wheeling and dealing with Regulus about giving him SDC machines in exchange for hmm something. Da, 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 da. Um, and then we get to. Uh, Fulgrim yeah. shows up, so we're getting some of our some of our friends back. We we met Fulgrim briefly. Did we? Unlike Enron, oh, right. But, uh, he was in. He showed up in the last book. Uh, no, I don't think he, he did. Well, we oh, talked about Eidolon. Fulgrim maybe very briefly because our first fan mail, um, and we'll get to more fan mail later. But we, our first fan mail from Paul using a fake email address mentioned his beloved Fulgrim, and now I see why he's so beloved. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So we get we get the wonderful description of he's got a giant eagle's wing as part of his armor, like a golden eagle wing on one thing. He's wearing uh, his armor is brilliant purple edged in bright gold and inlaid with most exquisite carvings. Hooded bearers carried his long scaled cloak and trailing parchment hung from his shoulder guard. So he is fabulous. So um, I don't know. Sometime I, I take, you know, if you look at art for Fulgrim, he is the anime 
he, he's the the sexy anime boy really? trope just well, personified in yes. the primarchs. He oh, uh, yes. is this where Sarah uh, had some thoughts about? I might. I mean, this okay. was the beginning of it when they talk about how yeah. beautiful he was, and like, is this the part where they say if I thought Sejanus was beautiful, mm-hmm. but man, yeah, this guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Yeah, Loken, right? I'm trying to find it. Oh, there it is. Um, Loken had once called Haster Sejanus. Sejanus, Called Haster Sejanus, a beautiful man, adored by all, but seeing the Primarch of Emperor's children up close for the first time, he knew that his paltry vocabulary was insufficient for the perfection he so, saw in Fulgrim. Yes. What I want to say the is, gay is back. <laughs> and in more than one ways, I felt like our first episode was back because... Um, I felt like they said that, but the things they described and, and when they said basically his eyes are all pupil, <laughs> his eyes, because yes. they're like, yeah. they're so all dark. Pupil. I was like, this is an alien. Like, like <laughs> I'm just seeing him like having nictitating membranes, like <laughs> coming out <laughs> of his funny. It is funny when you look up like the art, which I presume a lot of it, I'm sure a lot of it's fan art, but I'm sure a lot of it comes from like the books and stuff. But it is funny how they go like, these men are supposed to be beautiful. So we'll actually make them beautiful instead of like how they're described. They're never like horse faced and wide fish eyed. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. It really felt like lizard eyes. You know what? Some people are into that. Apparently. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So whatever black whatever studio does warhammer shouldn't be so cowardly <laughs> draw <laughs> horses <not>. described <laughs> the black, black give, us, give us those artists. ribless yes. flesh horses i because uh-huh. yeah. they describe him that way but in my head i was just imagining um oh, what's the guy's name in Baldur's gate Asterian. Mm-hmm. yes with yes. his like white hair and yeah. the very i don't pale. remember yeah. um for the time period he is sephiroth from Final Fantasy. Ah, yes. Okay, <laughs> so that's a better. That is a much maybe better like, analogy. Does, it, doesn't he kind of look like the bad guy in uh, Cowboy Bebop? Spike Spiegel. Yes, who also okay. looks like Sephiroth from Final <laughs> Fantasy. Yeah, they all look like Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> all roads lead to Sephiroth. Yeah. Uh, maybe Graham, just that Graham trope, McNeil that was anime maybe character. Anime. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, he's that character. He is sexy anime boy. Vicious. And yeah. Sephiroth is the platonic ideal of a sexy anime boy. Right. So. <laughs> um, and I think we use I don't know if we get into it in this one as much, but uh, whenever I feel any Black Library author starts talking about Fulgrim, they have to use the word perfect and perfection 9000 times conservatively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because that's what their whole shtick is. And anyway, no, I was also going to say that this is a part where um, I found, I noticed it a couple times. And I took notes on it that Graham McNeil has some weird choices where he's bad at using similes and metaphors because he tells that like fulgrim opened his arms and the two primarchs embraced like long lost brothers then the next line it is it has been too long horace it has my brother it has it's like they are long lost brothers (laughs) (laughs) you cannot immediately undercut but i think this was bram trying to undercut what some of us were picking up on with the beautiful man stuff is he wanted to say, no, 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 this is a very platonic, very manly love and attraction. Mm. <laughs> right. No These homo. Two, two manly men really just missing, mm-hmm. missing their bros. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, we, we've talked about, but Holcomb shows up and 
he is there because he wants to talk about how those busybodies on Terra are all mad because of how Horus is prosecuting this war because apparently they're just murdering the shit out of everybody. And apparently people at home do not approve of that. And he's there, of course, to to see what's going on and then to tell them back at home that they need to back off. And Horus is just doing what Horus do. And there's a lot of discussion of it's like war is cruel. And so war crimes are fine, you know, kind of thing uh, is the mm -hmm. implication. Um, and that they drop the little tidbit, which is something that will be. This is like they're they're leading into an intro for another whole different series of books, but that it seems our brother Magnus has once again done something to upset <laughs> the emperor and the wolf of Fenris has been unleashed to escort him back to Terra. Spinoff showtime. So, Eric. Yes, Eric's favorite Primarch <laughs> is in trouble. Well, can I just say um, that, that I don't understand at all, and this comes up over and over again in these three chapters, what is acceptable violence and what is not acceptable violence. I am so confused about where the line is. And I think this is maybe why Sarah and I, and I'll let them speak to their thoughts about this. I think that's why we were like, uh, yeah, they, they killed a bunch of people on the embarkation deck. That's what they do. That's... <laughs> What are they yeah. for? And so throughout these three chapters, there's going to be a lot of, I can't believe they're doing violence this way. <laughs> Am I wrong? And I, um, I think it's supposed to be that the, that the, they're trying to imply that the world eaters, Angron's legion are so horrifically violent. That they're even more violent than like normal space marine violent like we saw that the space marines and what they do is so horrific and violent and that the world eaters are like another level of violence above that like they they do violence that horrifies the people that are violent kind of thing like there's like a yeah like a sportsmanship or something and, and no, but there's the people not, we've had so far we just shoot them once and move but on there's not. right one of the first things we learned about uh, one of their past, do you remember, it was one of the times he was uh, with Mercity Olaton and he was talking about some fight they got onto in some planet and they're like, we have these arenas for fighting. And they're like, derp, derp, we're just going to exterminate you anywhere we want. And yeah. you guys have these stupid rules. There are no rules, idiots. And... Ah, uh, but those were Xenos, <laughs> so they don't count. Like, you can do whatever you want to Xenos. Uh, that, that's okay. Gotcha. These... The world leaders are doing this to people. Okay. So well, that's, that's, this is yeah. where I just feel like the rules are so. Oh, there's not okay. a single standard. There may be. There may and be I'm, two I'm side eyeing maybe. Loken about this, by the way, about his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to say to add on to that. I do think there's something to the idea of what I think maybe he was trying to get at. And it's just a little clumsy because it's not consistent. Like Walter was saying, there's not one standard, but the idea of. Like the people back on Terra and the people running the show, they want, you know, conquering and extermination because they want to take over these places, but they don't have to deal with the reality of it usually. And then these people come in and see the reality of it and they're horrified by what they have signed off on and right. wanted people to do. So I, that was my idea of what he was trying to get at. But I agree that it's oh, not. How dare, very how dare you? Um, of when how it's dare a problem. You? This sounds like you're suddenly on Walter's side and now I'm all alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not on Walter's side. I agree that it's 
what I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's very hypocritical of the people in charge to be like, hey, go out and kill all these people. I can't believe you killed all <laughs> these people. Like I, but I think that that was intentional because it's this idea of like the disconnect between the bureaucracy and mm. the reality of war. Right. Like maybe don't send a bunch of people to take pictures of war if you see those pictures and you're like, oh, my God, the horror of war. What have we done? Right. So so with all those people, um, there's a medic named Fabius. <laughs> oh, that, is that? Oh, yes. It was I, written in such a way that I felt like. Oh, I had that. That was one of those names we're supposed yeah. to know. Is that correct? Fabius is 100 percent a name you're supposed to like if you okay, were a 40k cool. person. It felt like it. You know, Fabius and Fabius is maybe in the in the top 10 minimum of my favorite Warhammer characters. Um, and I am a little very disappointed that in this book he gets pretty, he does not get a lot of screen time. Yeah, they're, they're just setting so. it up for the spinoff. Um, yes. I, all I could picture was Fabio. God. Yes, <laughs> and that's fine. I think that's a, appropriate, except with white hair. But I think a space marine, I think space Fabio Fabian. could play in Emperor's Children if you just dyed his hair white. It might be just um, naturally white. Because it has to be a lot more muscular. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. And what does Fabio look like these days? Um, that is something I need to know. So if somebody wants to Photoshop some white hair onto Fabio to be Fabio the apothecary. Um, I am 100% on board for that. Yeah. And we don't really get like Salt Harvest doesn't get to do a whole lot, which I'm upset. But our boy Lucius, baby, sweet baby Lucius is back again. And he is eager to fight uh, Garviel Loken some... again. Uh, after he beat him the first time, he's got and a chip on his shoulder scars. and something to prove. Yes. I'll tell you what he's eager to do. He's eager to foreshadow <laughs> himself to death. Because right? he's like, no one will ever defeat me. Wink, wink. Yes. And they, there's a ton of, oh, man, we're going to if we ever fight later, the next time we fight, that's going to be a big deal. When we do a nice friendly <laughs> bout, like we'll be the next time we encounter each other and, in arms. So and remember, a little heavy just, handed, there's perhaps. always someone out there better than you. It's so, always a bigger to, fish. Yes. To fight Lucius with Quite life on. and death resting on the blades would be to die. And he suspected that there was no one in the Sons of Horus who could best him. It's a little heavy handed. But the important thing is that we get that Loken gets just the shit kicked out of him. Like Lucius has apparently upped his game dramatically very much enjoyed time. that um and i i really especially like the part where loken is grumpy that everyone made such a big deal of it that there's a really big crowd for it <laughs> and it's like i could have really done without everyone coming to watch this it's like that meme where it's like i'm gonna go do this fight i'll post about it afterwards and then it's like oh i got my ass kicked bro i'm not posting that <laughs> so <laughs> it's that and he's just very sad that everyone had to be there to see him just get the shit kicked out of him by Lucius. So I, I don't know if this is too early to transition to the quiet order. Um, no, I don't think we have a lot okay. to say. Lucius kicks, Logan's ass, heavy handed for sure. What I wanted to Done. say is almost every fucking Astartes is in the quiet order now, which I think we had seen previously. So I just wanted to, sometimes I like to think about the implications of these things. And I want you guys to imagine what happens when, I don't know how often they're meeting, maybe once a week, maybe once every other <laughs> week, just all but three Astartes disappear from view. <laughs> In the ship. Well, <laughs> they, they, these are the imp of the senior officer. You got to there's no, thousands of, of space uh, it's marines. It really sounded like it was pretty much everybody, but okay. Presiding over an assembly of the Legion's senior officers, and that of the Legion's captains, only Loken, Torgod, and Yakton, Cruz, and Tybalt mm, Mar were absent. Okay. So there's presumably just thousands of normal Joe space marines. So just to set the scene up, though, part of the order. We, we go to the quiet order. They're talking about 
you know, ah, we need to clean house because shit around here is fucked up. We got to deal with the same things we talked about last episode. We got to deal with a poet who's being a little asshole. We got to deal with this guy who wants to not murder innocent people. On I'm putting murder in quotes <laughs> on embarkation tech. <laughs> um, and then I just want to point out, this is one of many times I feel like at this point, maybe not many, one of a few times we've seen where Horace somehow, despite being a gigantic beautiful man has somehow hidden himself and been listening to this entire meeting (laughs) they are wildly stealthy for being like 10 foot tall demigods in power armor yeah i don't just tiptoeing in the dark yes we need we need some more stories of um horace little sneaky horace that's what we should have called him yeah just we got little horace and we got like i kind of want a sneaky horace yeah, like I'm imagining like there's a bunch of like lamps and then one is just Horace with a lampshade <laughs> on his head, like standing in the background and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's normal. So no problem. There he is again. Um, they also get into at this meeting, as that we sort of talked about before, Luke Sedere, who we see every so often, is upset about the world leaders and how they shock even him. And that he makes no secret of the fact that I live for battle and revel in my ability to kill. But the sons of Angron are uncivilized they do not fight they butcher yeah that's what so again back to this that apparently angron fights differently than the rest of these that's space what i'm marines. talking about and apparently right he's here. more brutal this is this ongoing idea that somehow if you're angry about it it's worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we're shooting uh we're shooting armor piercing grenades into people's bodies but uh at least we're not like real grumpy while we're doing it so it's at least we're nice apparently. about it yeah yeah they uh they Splash water on their face. Yeah, look in waterboards, people. There is nothing. (laughs) Tell them there's no God. Yeah, civilized fighting. Not like uh, none of these world leaders are sitting down to have a little little talk with people as they die about the afterlife. He says he wants to bring in two new people into the quiet order. I've already forgotten who the first one was. (laughs) I think it was either either or or. Uh, I forgot that they had real names. That's why I... But before we get to that... I just, again, with the the gay is back before we get to who he's introducing, I just wanted to, um, well, I guess it's a little after that, uh, but I did want to call out Little little Horace, Axeman, this line, Axeman saw that his power to seduce was beyond anything he had experienced (laughs) before, and he felt shamed that he had questioned this luminous being. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, we're back, baby. Yeah. He had set down the seduction powers for a little while, but he's yeah. ready to go now. Totally so. platonic seduction. Absolutely yes. platonic. Yes. And how also, dare. little horse is so Yes, dumb. and, and oh. I feel like why, the wise one has to be like an inside joke that big horse has. Right. right. So at this point. Sarcastic. Yes. No one, no one actually thinks he's that. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Tybalt Mar gets to join, and so does oh my uh, God. Maggard. Walter, do you want to take the joke? Oh, I was, I loved, oh, oh, Horace. He's, uh, he's so good at it. They ask, you know, they have to do the thing where you go in and they have to give their names as part of it. And poor Maggard has to look around awkwardly because he can't talk. And they're like, why won't he say his name? And Horace is like, he can't say. Ah. <laughs> 
and yeah. it's like no seriously he can't talk he doesn't have a talk <laughs> and it's like wow that's just yeah, I was wondering how how charming does Horace seem to <laughs> that's what I he might not be as seductive I mean <laughs> I don't know I don't know it can't be fun and and like I'm just imagining yeah. the adventures of Maggard in the Quiet Order after this, like when he comes to join future meetings. Um, like what I was picturing is he has to start doing something like uh, if you guys have seen the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode Hush, where they have like whiteboards hanging wow. from their necks, and they, <laughs> and I'm just imagining Maggard putting like a data slate on a chain around his neck, like <laughs> writing I can't say. <laughs> Yeah, somebody has. I to guess he off. is the perfect member for the Quiet Order, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really, when you think about it, yeah. Yeah, and then we get another example of Horace uh, doing the. So I'm gonna do something pretty big deal later, and I need to you all to know that you guys got my back, and I can't tell you what it is, but I think you're on board for whatever it is that I'm gonna do later, right? Good. Okay, good. And everyone's like, "Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> We're." We're sold on just no questions asked. Let's uh, let's agree to whatever you're saying to do and, and go from there. And then he drops Hit it him again. With the blue steel. And yes. <laughs> and he even ends it when he's and then he goes just full again. Mustache twirling villain at the end because he's like, I will take care of Varvarous and they'll be illuminated as to the air of their way. It's like, okay, we get it. You're, you're murdering them. That's, that's fine. <laughs> like, okay, well, we see what the plan I is, Horace. But for a second that they were going to illuminate Carcassy. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I thought they were going to illuminate Carcassy in the way they do like subjects of planets where they're like, no, under threat of force, they're going to change their tune. Um, that is not what happened. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do like we'll the use there. of illuminate as a threat uh, of force, though. It's it's cute yes but that yeah that wraps up that chapter so chapter 20 time to meet angry ron oh no angron is dead lol's just kidding he fucks up everything so or, or does he or does he do exactly what he was there well, to do right from from the loken standing nearby <laughs> uh he fucks up everything but yes so uh we get the the emperor's children leave it was is a painfully brief meeting they say um, they have a little, little Horace and Fulgrim have a little whisper session. Um, and most importantly, Loken did a double take as he caught a fleeting glimpse of a horribly familiar golden sword belted <laughs> to Fulgrim's waist. So, dun, dun, dun. And a clue. A ah. clue. And then he goes to harass Which, medical personnel again. Yes. Yeah, gotta. And that's, yes. And that's actually later. But yes, he goes and yells at the guy and is like, why'd that's you give him the sword? Later. Like, that's like right away. He had, Isn't it? Okay. No. Because then we no, get a whole scene. Have to fight. I, yeah. I, I didn't take yeah, any fight, notes fight, on that. Fight. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, Boring. I find the war part so boring. Yes. We've already talked about this. But I'm like, yeah. yes, news, news. I get to the thing. But um, they, they have to spend some time talking about how they're going to yeah, fight in this battle. And presumably the word bears are going to be the first ones into the breach. And it's like the last citadel of the you brotherhood. Know, it's not um, my fault that I can't remember when things happen because there's just flashbacks. <laughs> He's having a flashback while murdering people. I mean, yes. Come on. Yes, because he is in the middle of this fight. And then he's like, man, remember that time I went to yell at the apothecary about losing that sword? <laughs> so um, <laughs> and then, yeah, and he goes on in this poor apothecary is just like i the guy came and he had a note from 
Horus saying, take the sword. So for, I have just two, I think, pretty quick comments here. So first of all, Angron is a blood angel. I thought Sanguinius was a no. blood angel. Okay, I'm the maddest in the world at Warhammer forever that he is called Angron, the bloody one, the red angel. And it's like, oh. there is a literal oh angel God. who wears red. <laughs> so and is named after blood. And that's a the bloody blood, blood. That's Sanguinius. He's over there. And then they have this other guy who is not an angel. And he doesn't have any of those sort of looks. And they're like, yeah, let's also call him the red angel as opposed to the guy who's literally a red angel. So, yes, here we are. That's Angron for you. That's infuriating. It is more than a little infuriating. <laughs> so, and, and then my my main comment here is like, is are we talk? Are we to the point now here where he's being described on the planet? We get to see what he looks like. Yes, because that's my next comment. Um, it just you know you've mentioned in the past that a lot of the decisions were made when this was just a game, and then like in the eighties, and they're stuck with it. And right. I think hearing his description was the biggest one for me, where they're like, <laughs> "We're stuck with this." And to put it in perspective, I kind of imagined what if it were the Batman's the Riddler <laughs> on the battlefield instead, and it would be like Kato mask covering their eye region, green tights with question marks. With a deafening roar, he shouted, riddle me this! And the riddle bearers <laughs> roared along with him as they ran across the battlefield, delivering puzzling death to their foes. <laughs> it's like that was the equivalent to me of hearing this man described. Yes, with his ancient suit of gladiatorial armor and uh, another I feel, again, Graham does not know what similes are. A glinting mesh cape of chainmail hung from his high gorget and pauldrons with skulls worked into its weave like barbaric trophies. Those are barbaric trophies. Those are <laughs> trophies taken in a barbarous fashion. They are not anything except exactly what they are described as. Uh, so I do want to talk more about Engron's very specific look that they give him but uh, i just realized that we skipped over a part i just wanted to touch on which was right before we see angron and they start describing him torgaden and loken have a little chat and i was absolutely flabbergasted at the reveal that torgaden has not said anything to loken about what he heard at the lodge meeting that he <laughs> like might dropped at because he's like <laughs> He's like, don't we joke, may. Harvey. I'm serious. I think we're going to need each other's support before this campaign is over. What do you mean? Never mind, said Torgaden. We'll talk more once this Citadel <laughs> is ours. <Yeah>. And then <laughs> weeks, right? Like months? It's been months. <laughs> it has been this whole campaign. Uh, yeah. And that's also, by the way, the moment I was certain that Torgaden was going to die yeah. yes. in this battle. Because no. <laughs> he might as well have said, I'll be right back. I'll tell you more when yeah. I'm returned for more. <laughs> I thought the same thing and was very surprised at spoiler, I guess, but at the outcome. But I yeah, I can't believe he had that big mic drop moment. He heard specifically that they were thinking about throwing Loken under the bus and how he wouldn't stand for it and then did nothing with that information. <laughs> I like to think that he kept like going to Loken's room. He's like, Loken, I've got to, I got to talk. And he's like, lapping powder, man. I'm, I'm polishing. He's got his earbuds in. <laughs> he's, he's just not. He's like, I'll, I'll come back later. He's like, yeah. And then he comes back and he's like, I'm Carcassy and I were writing some poems. It's like, I really just don't have time. <laughs> like, he just never could get it in edgewise. Loken's got a busy social calendar, is the important part. Or, so, 
Or was it more Torgotten? It's that thing when like you don't want to be the person who gives someone bad news. <laughs> and so you keep finding an excuse like, oh, it's his birthday. I can't ruin his birthday. So I'll wait. <laughs> until... Or maybe he was just trying to give the message too subtly and metaphor laden and Loken, you know, wasn't oh. getting it, you know, so. He was doing it in jokes. Yes. It's like his his stand up routine got real, real pointed yeah. at the end and Loken just wasn't picking it up. Um. In that same scene, I also like that there's a bit where uh, Loken says, we'll share a bottle of victory wine in the ruins of the Brotherhood Citadel. And Torgaden nodded and said, you're buying, though. And it's like, did they get paid? Like, do Space Marines have money <laughs> like that? They're concerned? And if they they don't, did they do they listen to like the Imperial Army troopers say stuff like that and are like, that sounds cool. I'm going to use that one later. <laughs> I don't know what it means even because we do not do this, but uh, but man, it sounded awesome when that one Imperial Army soldier said it to another one. So <laughs> that's my only assumption. But then, yes, we get back to again, as we discussed, the bloody angel, the bloody one, the red angel, not Sanguinius, but Angron dressed in his uh, yeah. fancy gladiatorial barb, you know, barbaric outfit. I have a question. Yes. What makes something a dagger versus a sword? What is that? I can answer that question in historically to our world. I don't okay. know about Warhammer. Oh. Okay, go. You're ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, weird statistic. My uncle was a blacksmith. I know surprising a lot about metal metallurgy and weapon making and everything. <laughs> anyway, historically, anything shorter from like your hand to your elbow on your forearm is considered a dagger. Anything longer than that is a sword. Okay. And and the reason I ask this is, and you may not have noticed this, but when they talk about Angron, they say he was armed to the teeth with short stabbing swords and daggers, the length of an Astartes chain blade. Uh, so. Yeah, that's different. <laughs> well, I guess. No, it's just showing I guess that maybe he has really long. Shorter than his arm. Yeah. Yeah. To okay. him, it's a dagger. But he had some short stabbing swords and daggers that were the length of chain. Like how short were the stabbing swords? And they still had to be bigger. Presumably than longer than the daggers. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad about this. So um, also, so he has implants to make him angrier. Yes. Did we talk about so this? So we were just, yes, getting to that. I, I want to get to that because it is a weird retcon in the Warhammer universe. Oh, it is. Here. Yes. This is a weird retcon. So he's because he's always had these implants, but they uh -huh. say in here, it's like the implants have been grafted to Angron's brain when he had been a slave centuries before. And though the technology to remove them was available, he had never wanted them removed. And that is not how it is later on, as they'll get to. Really? Yes. In in but in later in his life, but were they in earlier books? Well, yeah, he's always had these though. The world leaders have these things called the butcher's nails. A lot happens to Angron between now and, and the 40K universe. So, yes, uh, that I don't want to get too spoilery. Isn't he at the same level as Horus? Yeah, he's one of them. He apparently. So how did he become a slate? Because they got shot out from that weird. Yeah. Matrix style pod bay. Right. <laughs> right. So they like now all. He, and then he became a. Yeah, they get into this. So they all, uh, you know, they landed on these planets as Primarch babies. And they grew up really fast, but apparently they found Angron while he was still like a wee, a wee bairn. So, okay. 
Yes. And then they decided that he was a giant baby. Then they should put anger things into his head um, to make him a great gladiator. So the choices were made. So as they are. And how did they keep him captured? I don't have the foggiest clue. Okay. So, yeah, there, that's it's Warhammer. It, just, yes, <laughs> it is, in fact, Warhammer. Um, but yes, later on, they, they try to make him a much more sympathetic character and have it that like he can't have these things removed and he's stuck with them. and There's nothing that can be done about it. But in here, they're like, no, no, he's he's fine. He loves he loves it. Loves the anger. He nails. loves them. Yes. So but that goes on the thing. Anyway, then the attack happens and Angron and his guys go and the strategic brilliance of the Space Marines is demonstrated when they all run into a room and then a bomb goes off and they all die. So, <laughs> and and they're all like feeling the vibrations and you know Loken's like it's the scene in the movie where it, like the one guy realizes something's going wrong before everybody else does um and then it blows up and Angron and all the world eaters get buried under a mountain and uh all the sons of Horus are horrified by it. So do we think the intention cuz obviously even though Loken and Torgaden don't seem to know it very much, or they kind of do, but they're on Horus's shit list, right? Did Horus mean for them to also be buried in this? Like, did he want them to be killed during this? I think, I don't think he knew that there was going to be necessarily be like a big bomb that blew everybody up, but I think he very purposefully put them, like, you guys are going to be in the vanguard that gets to go in first because that's the most dangerous place. And Hopefully, he'll just die as over the course of this and solve this problem. But I don't think he was like this thing. This disaster is going to occur. I was just I don't want to spoil something that happens later, but I guess that was something I was also confused by that. This big blast at the breach was not something planned by the secret super secret council that Horus has. Yeah, I don't I don't think so, because I think he wants anger on on his side. Okay. So I don't think he yeah, wants Angron he, dead. He well, but that couldn't have killed Angron. Okay. I don't think he wants yeah. I don't think he wants even you a didn't... bunch of world eaters dead. Oh, okay. But sending Loken and Torgaden was like sending a message, kind of like well, I don't care what happens to you. I don't even think it's a message. I think it's just because they talk about it, it's like, oh, the most dangerous part of a fight is being people going into this breach. So it's just like, well, maybe, maybe they'll die. You know, like I'm going to put them in the most dangerous situation and uh, maybe, you know, a bunch of people die in these fights. So maybe this will be the one that they they get killed in. I think I was just confused because there is something that we learn about in later, which I know we'll get to, that was very much planned, it seems like, um, with Barbarous. Oh, well, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So I, that made me suspicious of everything that was happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Because it's like they they talked in those earlier meetings. They're like this Loken guy. I don't I don't like it. But then they're like, we're going to show this carcassy and Farvaris who's boss. And then they seem to be like, what about Loken? And it's like, eh, I don't know. He's, maybe that's maybe they're thinking that's a step too far. Like we we can't I can't tell him to kill another space marine because, you know, as we've read 8000 times, that's unthinkable. <laughs> the idea of a space marine killing another space marine. You know, they can't even hardly consider it. We will see. But they see Angron get blown away. They assume he's dead. Um, everyone's super concerned. They kill and kill. And then they they talk again. We're getting into this. They're being even more, even more violent. Their violence is even worse than their usual violence. 
but fortunately, Targ Torgaden is able to sort of pull them back from the brink as they're being more slaughtery than usual. And uh, so before they just massacre everybody in this place, uh, they're able to stop, stop themselves and, and get the Brotherhood to surrender and get it to a, a victory as horrible as it is. Um, and then it gets I get real frustrated because Varvarus shows up and he like Loken is looking at how awful it is. And he's thinking to himself how gross this victory is and how violent it was. And he just feels sick about like how terrible it is. And then Varvarus is like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. And he's like, what did you expect? And it's like, you just you just were sad about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. Like, and this is why I this is another example of I don't feel like anyone here consistently knows where the line is. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Loken even knows why he's upset at Varbus thinking that. I don't. Yeah. I think he he just wanted to be pissed off at him. <laughs> it's it's, it's so OK weird. for, I guess, a space marine to question the space marines. But because Varbus isn't. No, he's just no. a dude. Right? Yeah. He's just a dude holding some coattails as we're going right. to. Maybe we shouldn't later. have done this. And then someone's like, maybe you shouldn't have done this. It's like, how dare you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I do like uh, we missed a little bit when they discussed the the Byzant Janizars um, that they have like cool great coats and they're all dressed up yeah. and people are like, why are you dressed like that? And he's like, we're going to look good taking this Citadel and. I don't know. I guess I think Varvarus is a little, little fabulous, and and I've, we got to look our best. I yeah, think, we... yeah. So I'm a little disappointed about what happens to him because it just seems like he had a real cool, little cool group of guys. Again, uh, these books introducing neat characters and organizations, and then immediately removing them from <laughs> us, wiping them out. So, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so then the the mega everyone shows up, and then we get a real mean, like the best surrender scene I think I've ever seen, where. This elderly warrior shows up and basically is like, y'all suck. We surrender, but fuck you guys and your entire Imperium. Um, I like the uh, Varvarus says it's like war is a harsh master, senior preceptor. Blood is spilled and lives are lost. I feel the sorrow of your losses, but excess of grief for the dead is madness. It is an injury to the living and the dead know it not. Spoken like a tyrant and a killer, snarled Guardia. And Varvarus bristled with anger as his defeated foe's lack of etiquette, which, again, I feel is a little unfair to be like, we just murdered the fuck out of your entire culture. And but I mean, you could at least be polite about it. Like, you don't get to be grouchy <laughs> that we did this. So um, and I really like his line about uh, in their surrender that I think they say, uh, yes, may you rule in peace more kindly than you make war. And anyway, he gets a real. Real cool mic drop moment. Really, he gets to be this neat character that we we see and he's he's broken but unbowed, you know, and he's determined to stand up to the Imperium, even though he has to surrender to them. And then uh, Angron just Kool-Aid man up out of the ground, <laughs> bursts from the rubble and just starts slaughtering everybody. I mean, just immediately cuts the main guy in half um, and Loken's yelling, no, stop, but it's too late and everybody opens fire and the whole the, the massacre that he was trying to avoid immediately happens. Um, and then even more dramatic, this uh, this guy, Varvarus, seems to have been shot in the in the battle and has perished. Dun, dun, dun. So sad days for Sons of Horus and Loken and everything. Um, there's one scene that I want to call out, though 
where I really like that. The Brotherhood had been honorable foes and the Sons of Horus had butchered them like cattle. Angron stood the midst of the carnage, his glaive spraying the warriors nearest him with spatters of blood from the roaring chain blade. Like he's just standing there, like gunning this chainsaw and just blood just splattering on the people that are just like sort of awkwardly standing within like his radius. <laughs> so <laughs> aggro. Just like. You can imagine just how annoyed like I can imagine somebody's trying to talk and just like splat. Just like spray of blood, and uh, it's people like, in their you... fancy cream greatcoats are just kidding. <laughs> like, you know, the fight's over. Could you stop? Could you stop spinning the? Okay, no, you're gonna just keep doing that. Okay, thanks, Angron. So, but yes, so sad days for them. Loken feels soul sick at such a barbaric sight, um, as all the other sons of horse are wah. like, "Hey, Angron, you're the best. Way to murder everybody." Yeah, it's so funny too because. Loken and Torgaden seem upset, but we've seen time and time again, and this is just, I guess, reiterating, Shannon, what you said, but the sons of Horus don't seem to share any of the same qualms as, like, Loken and Torgaden right. do about right. the yeah. level of violence being done. Like, yeah. when they beat the shit out of Carcassy in the last book because he, like, said yeah. a mean thing. Well, that was just, just ham. that was just soldier soldiers, right? Like, oh, those were just soldiers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess it, it goes all the way down then to just anyone in this. Right. The, the rules for when it's okay to be awful are, yes. are not clear. No, no one has. And like, when is horrible? And again, even even Loken in his own head doesn't seem to know right. when people should be mad about this. So as they are. So chapter 21, Carcassy. No, Petronella. No, Istvan. I'm sure nothing bad happens there. So, yeah, um, talk about getting rid of some characters right in the very, very last chapter of the book. Um, <laughs> people that I thought were going to be with us and are not. We lost Hector Varvarus last chapter, who wasn't exactly. I mean, we'd seen him talk like three times and whatever. But now uh, we get a very snarky speech, I feel, about him where Horace talks about how it's like, well, he was all right. He, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, what really makes a great man is uh, realizing that when you march with the gods, Mun must wait until he hears their footsteps sounding through events and then leap up and grasp the hem of their robes, which is yeah. the most douchebag uh, epithet <laughs> I think you can give somebody. Yeah, I wrote. This feels more or less like a eulogy and more like a roast. <laughs> yes. Oh. Man. More like a melody. And on he that. was he was basically saying, "I'm so awesome." Yeah. That's why he's grabbing my coattails. Yeah, you know, it was really cool. The guy that was this guy's boss. Let's talk about <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, we get the worst eulogy in history, and then we get to Carcassy, and Carcassy's just sitting there. He's doing his writing um, happily, and then somebody knocks on the door. And he looks up and sees that Maggard is there and he asks if Maggard wants anything. And he spends some time thinking about how sending a mute messenger doesn't seem like the greatest choice, although he has a written message. So I don't know. Seems like that's fine. It felt like unnecessarily rude of Carcassy, to be honest. Well, with you. And, do you think if he had been nice, Maggard wouldn't have? No, I don't, I don't think he was. <laughs> at home. But he even does the thing. Where he says, I can't help you unless you can tell me why you're here, said Carcassy, speaking slowly to ensure that the man understood. It's like he is yes. mute. <laughs> Carcassy, not. He is not. Yeah. Well, but 
Carcassy got to go out doing what he loved, which was being a smug asshole. <laughs> so, I was like, at least he got one more chance to be yeah. a dick. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, he died as he lived for sure. <laughs> um, especially and and I think the most Carcassy line right at the end here is so Maggard gives him this note. And he looks at it and he realizes that it's his own poetry, but it's been all like chopped up and, and, and mixed up. And he frowned as he recognized the words as line from his own poetry, dark imagery and potent symbolism. And it's like, thanks for rating yourself there. That's, <laughs> it's like he recognized it because it was so fucking good. He immediately saw it was his own. <laughs> um, but then yeah, he, I noticed that, yeah, too. But then he realizes it's a suicide note and he pees himself. So cool. Go, going out, going out with a bang. Uh, and then we go back and forth because then we have Petronella and Petronella is is minding her own and she's v- busily finishing up her book in the footsteps of gods. Um, she she has her line about that. She was there when Horace fell and then Horace shows up um, and wants to talk to her about this new book. Um, she's excited to have him read it. I like that he does take the time <laughs> to read the book <laughs> like he's there yeah. he reads the whole thing yeah he reads well he like, he reads super fast yes so, his okay. eyes scanned the pages smart. reading and digesting the contents quicker than any mortal man ever could uh, the first time we've this, seen an example of that astartes intellect we right. talk about it a lot <laughs> right. we've right. never really yeah. seen it in action well i just have a question of all the dumb people <laughs> we've seen throughout these two books <laughs> is it possible that petronella is the dumbest it might be because she is literally writing a book about how awful all the primarchs are and you know she seems genuinely shocked to find out that Horace is awful <laughs> which i just don't i don't understand how those i mean like her truly petronella has done nothing but idiotic things from the moment we met her <laughs> to the moment her neck is snapped by horse. <laughs> I, I think there's this parallel. I liked the way that this was structured of going back and forth between Carcassy and Petronella because they do feel like there are a lot of ways in which they're similar. Carcassy hasn't been as much of an idiot as Petronella, but there's this hubris there that they can get away with anything because they're special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like Carcassy has been publishing poetry just reaming the Astartes on a ship run by space <laughs> marines. Right. And not even trying to hide that he's the one doing it. No. And after seeing them just murder, quote, yeah. quote, <laughs> a bunch of people on the embarkation. Right. Day. So it's the same kind of what disconnect. Dumb dums. Well, y'all notice? Like, I'm so special. Nothing bad could possibly happen to right. me. Right. Because I'm so talented and special. Sorry, Eric. Uh, do y'all notice something clever that, uh, that Graham did here with, um, the first line of Petronella's book. Yeah. Well, you mean I was there the day Horace fell? Yes. That, that's, that line? That's what? almost the opening line of the first book of this series. Because yes. he was there the yeah. day Horace slew the emperor. Mm-hmm. When it was a fake yeah. Emperor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I noticed that whenever whenever uh, she said it the first time, yeah. I guess, in her brain. I did not. But, yeah. I thought that was maybe my big brain working, but I guess not. <laughs> it was for me, Eric. I did not notice that at all. <laughs> That's very cool. When her magic mind reading pen wrote it the first time. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I think I think what they're trying to get to is that we're seeing the moment like they all come from a society right now. That's like 
ah, yes, we're civilized and, you know, we have these artists and they're allowed to say what they say and that's going to be okay. And now they're seeing that Horus is is not not on board for that. That is they are going into a new society now where people that say the wrong thing get murdered. Um, And I think they're both surprised by this turn of events. (laughs) <laughs> um, and maybe they shouldn't have been as surprised by this turn of events, but there we go. Who needs to make the shock Pikachu meme? <laughs> I honestly didn't think they were going to kill Carcassy. I sort mm-hmm. of knew they were going to kill Petronella because, uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> Sarah accidentally <laughs> saw something about it. Yeah. And they, they told us, oh, I accidentally saw this huge spoiler for Petronella. I was like... Oh, I guess she dies. <laughs> I tried to be vague, but yeah. no, even sharing it was yeah. enough of a telegraph. Yeah, yeah Petronella got a huge promotion. Yeah, and yeah. Petronella's having Loken's baby. Horace ah. marries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was say Horace marries Petronella. They live happily ever after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but well, yeah. It also, she was introduced to this book, so it's like, oh, you're in this book, you can die at the end of this book. But yeah, Carcassy made it through the whole first book i thought he would gonna gonna keep on going but mm-hmm. keep on trucking he is done so yes and then we get but yes you get the neat like i, I did like this chapter because you get to see them go back and forth and obviously there's parallels between them and what's happening to them but uh Carcassy gets killed and and uh they make it look like a suicide and petronella just gets her neck snapped when but she at least right before she dies she gets to hear Horace, uh, at least a thumbs up her book. So <laughs> five stars would read again. No one else gets to, though. Snap. Um, it is, is sad. Horace for gets his good. Horace gets his good villain line. Yes. Yes. Because illuminating you. Yes. His hands. Sliding. I'm sorry. What was what was that? Uh, he says, I'm illuminating you. That's true. Because he's not trying to scare you. And she's like, you're not. And then, yes, I'm illuminating you. Next nap. Um, then I mean, she needed to be illuminated, to be honest with you. <laughs> she did. In many senses of the word. Figured it out right at the end. Uh, th- <laughs> what a, yeah. Then we get back. I just, <laughs> or, I just can't stop thinking about what a dum-dum she is. <laughs> no love for Petronella. No. Um, She's awful. <laughs> yeah. Again, also sort of died as she lived in a blank display of not understanding what's going on in the world. I wonder what will happen to Maggard, though, because he is bound to her family, right? I mean, I think he's got a... I think he's got a new Maggard get a weird at Bernie, sir? Like, people keep asking, like, where she is, and he just kind of shrugs and is like, can't talk. Whatever. She's there. Um, but after yeah, she also reduces her maidservant to tears right before she dies, yeah. so they just really want to reiterate that she's, she's done that a few yeah. times. She's a stone cold bitch right before she right. dies. They're like, just yeah. remember, right. she sucks. Yeah. Graham doesn't want us to feel bad for her at no. all. She's like, yeah, and, I, and 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 he, I think he ach- achieves that. I agree. Objective. Yeah, I was not sad. Yeah, and I was I, sad about Carcassy. Yes, mm. and I presume that the maidservant is also killed. Probably, but I kind of like the idea of her like coming out of her little like talk about her little, like tiny closet side room she is, has, and like her coming out like just as Horace like snaps Petronella's neck and she's just like I'm gonna go <laughs> like it's fine I hated her too I'm just gonna <laughs> pack up and uh, yeah I'm I'm out <laughs> so 
Somebody needs to do be that. like, I don't know how to read because she never let me learn. So I don't know what any yeah, say. Uh, so just yeah, damn, screw it. Your so. side, Horace. Right. You need somebody. Yeah, I'm, I can do I can do some sweeping, whatever. Eventual, I'll tidy the ventral spirit. It's fine. So whatever needs done. Um, but then we get back to uh, Cinderman and Mercedy Olaton, and they're hanging out with Euphrates Keeler, who we have not seen since her dramatic showdown with the pink horror um where she she exorcisted him um <laughs> and that she's in a coma and but nothing's wrong except for the eagle shaped burn on her hand that refused to fade so she's there and then titus shows yes. up titus kassar and he's like i'm here to see the saint yes so she's getting serious the the 90s movie the saint <laughs> starring yeah. uh, val kilmer that's yeah. a reference i want to val kilmer <laughs> so now we know who's love that movie all right now we know who they're gonna get that's what they're looking for so that's why all the pictures are confused is because they're trying to do a val kilmer um <laughs> and, and yeah. they were like oh it's the saint and yeah the artist came to the same conclusion we just did only mm-hmm. explanation. He's like, I'm sorry, your hospital room is the only one with the VHS player. Uh, I can <laughs> so, play this tape. Okay. It's an RKO Tech video recorder. And here we are. <laughs> um, but then we get to the the reveal that uh, Torgaden hangs out with Loken and lets him know that, uh, what's his name? General Guy. Uh, not only was he yes he was not just killed accidentally in the crossfire but he was shot by an astartes bolt round not from the brotherhood and then they're like do you think he just caught a stray round and they're like it was dead center and it's like i that doesn't mean it's not a stray round like no one only get hit in the arm with a stray round it's a stray round it's going wherever but yeah but what if he had a bunch of bolter things in the shape of a smiley face that's clear um also it seems like a perfect opportunity for Torgaden to be like oh by the way i heard all these people talk about murdering barbarous yeah <laughs> and Dead. you by the way yeah and you <laughs> and <Carcassi. Dubs>. yeah <laughs> just doesn't because that would be the better explanation it's like couldn't it have been a stray round it's like well when i was at this meeting they're like yeah we're gonna murder this guy um so i don't think so <laughs> so it sounds like our feelings on how great Torgaden is they've come to a middle here. well he's just maybe not as good at sharing as he could be yeah um a really cool moment (laughs) yes um he was real cool and then yeah he's just not doesn't get around um and then they reveal that they're going to have to you know maybe they gotta uphold their oath to the imperium no matter what happens and you know whoever they have to fight and then they shake hands in the old terran way which i presume that that means just shaking hands they're doing a fist bump yeah i mean i like that better that is there because i presume every time that they're doing a handshake because they always say they do it like warriors so i presume they're doing like the renaissance festival like grab the other person's arm by like the 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 forearm, forearm. Yeah. i the that's predator handshake yeah that's what i always presume <laughs> yeah. that they're doing because they always call it a warrior's I, handshake i'm gonna presume that they watch some of those youtube videos of teachers doing it different secret handshake with all of this. <laughs> I was just the- about to say a secret handshake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up with. There's some there's some slap slap punch. Well, that's actually, you know, doing the That's just what they do whenever they go to the lodge meeting. Like the guy that's in front oh, of the lodge meeting sure. has to do that for everybody that comes through. And then we get to the the last chapter where Horace or last section of the chapter where Horace has his his bros around. He's got Regulus, he's got Erebus. 
He's got whoever's in charge of the Titans. Um, and he lays it all out that no more beating around the bush, no more vague statements and claims. He is going to overthrow the emperor. He's going to Terra. He's toppling the emperor. He's taken over. I like everybody in the room is shocked by this when I feel they have no right to be. <laughs> and they all and they all look scared. Like they all look like, oh, shit. You, are these people all in on it? Yes, they're all in on it. He didn't bring people into the room to say this. And then he's like, no, no, I've talked to everybody individually. It's cool. But I feel like he hasn't, though. What? He hasn't made his case that the emperor's doing anything wrong. No. And it, I don't. Yeah, because he just says it's like I he has sorely misjudged me if he thinks I'll stand by while he abandons his realm and his quest for godhood. And it's like, I don't think anyone else got that vision. Nobody <laughs> else heard anything about this until just now. I feel like some of them would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You told me to sort of be on your side, but I didn't know it was against the emperor. We love that dude the most. He's the mostest beautiful man. He's like, too like, bad. You like said you're with me. Yeah. See, that's the, that's yeah. the no rule. Takes no takes back. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, fucker. Yeah. But God, we knew we should have figured out what it was before we promised. Oh, well, yeah. we're locked in. Verbal contracts are binding. Yes. Space Marines. But, um, so yeah, so they all are there that they're going to overthrow the emperor. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, what happened? What about Magnus? Because Lehman Russ is going to bring him back to Terra. And he reveals that he's already contacted my brother Russ and illuminated. Haha. <laughs> I love that. Um, with the full breadth of Magnus's treacherous use of demonic spells and conjurations. And I believe I've convinced him that to return Magnus to Terra be a waste of time and effort. Ha, Magnus will not leave Prospero alive. So he's We'll uh, see about that. Yes gonna be a whole thing there um and then he's got fulgrim on his side he reveals that fulgrim's gonna go talk to good old ferris manis good old iron hand of the iron hands um get that guy on their side um he's going to get the get people to set up lodges in all of these other legions to try to turn them around he's sending the ultramarines off to go do something else he's sending the blood angels off to go do something else and then but he has this big old plan for the last bit and it's all going to happen at Istvan, and it's going to be dun-dun-dun. So, big old <laughs> dramatic moment. So, when you read that, did you know what Istvan yes. is? is? Yes, that, that okay. is a, a big, that is one of the big things that this whole series is sort of leading, like, uh, an event that is talked about in 40K, but this is the first time us reading it, like, gets to see the details of it kind of thing. But we all oh, we all okay. knew what Istvan was, but we don't know how did they get there and, and exactly what form that took. So, so that's that's it. it. That is it. What do you want us to? Well, so where, where we we gonna give? Yeah, uh, predictions. Yeah, where do you, what do you guys think is gonna go down? It is what's the plan at Istvan? I mean, I don't know what Istvan is. It's a place. I it's don't, a system. I don't actually care that much. <laughs> so you surprise I'm you guys surprise that I don't care. <laughs> I I mean, look, we all know this is leading to, um, you know. Horace's boys versus Emperor's boys. That's it. I mean, I don't I don't know. So I guess but, uh, my prediction then is this is where he's going to declare his make his declaration of independence, maybe. <laughs> oh, OK. He sounds he says it's a trap, I think. So it sounds like he's going to lure people there, but I could see it being a you're either with us or you're going to die here kind of a trap, like mm. a violent ditch declaration of independence. You think yeah. he's going to pull a Death Star? He's going to get them all there and then blow up the planet? Maybe. I don't know. And I was a little <laughs> sad, though, because 
it seems like he's already just assumed Sanguinius won't be on his side. Yeah. And I thought they were really close is what we had learned. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier. And it seems although not even... as close as him and um, anime guy. Fulgrim. Yeah. Fulgrim. Yeah. But it just seemed odd that he didn't even make an effort to mm-hmm. well, convince him yeah. to join him. I think it's already a, maybe that's coming. I don't know. No, that yeah, he, already, he has one. He has one blood angel. He doesn't even know. Yeah, it's just it's <laughs> confusing to have two if you have both of these guys on the same side. Um, but I think they're well. I think we'll get into down the road. But that Sanguinius is just Sanguinius is too good a boy. There's how could you possibly turn that sweet sweet angel boy uh, against Dad? But um, we'll see there. But in more exciting news on the podcast front. Uh, we've actually got some mailbag to to mail. Yep, we've got real mail, not fake mail. We've made up. Yes, right. This time, <laughs> what are you talking about? We've never made up. Never. Well, look, I have gotten some good. I have gotten some good feedback from friends and family, which is always great. I do like to hear from my my friends and family. My uncle Tom wrote me a text this week where he says he's been listening while driving or working in his garage. He doesn't know anything about Warhammer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he says he really enjoyed when you guys read a script and lapsed into your accents in the latest episode. I I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, We're... Tom, that was not yeah. us. That was, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, it sounds like Tom's busy. He should definitely be paying attention to the road. But Tom might have missed the part where we say these are scripts that are coming in yeah. from Hollywood. Yeah, this is a, that's no longer <laughs> professional, us. Act, professional yeah. actors. I'm actually yeah. impressed yeah. Yeah. that he thinks that we sound that professional. Right. I yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, I feel flattered. Yeah, I feel good yeah. about yeah. These, flattered these have just sure. been the highest quality recordings. Yes. Keen mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. get in. So. But, uh, but, you know, aside from great feedback we've gotten from friends and family, um, we've gotten some mail from people that I don't think any of us know, and even from people from other states or even other countries, which yeah. is just mind boggling. I promise this friends. isn't a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have Sam, Sam, who wrote us uh, with a the subject line is she who's thirsty which makes sense at first i was like at this i mean i'm the only one who uses she pronouns i was like is this about me <laughs> am i the thirsty one okay uh but he he, he asked a few questions um he, he asked uh, for all of us so these are questions for all of us what is the most singularly disturbing act or scene you have read so far in your opinions um I don't know who wants to take that first. Um, I've got an answer if no one else is, if everyone's struggling. Uh, It just so happened. This was easy. I had just read, I was reading the book when um, Shannon alerted us all to this message. So I was able to start scanning instantly. And I had just read, I had just learned about Maggard uh, being raped by Petronella. So that was a nice thing to really zero in on and overthink. And so, yeah, the first uh, the first thing that came to mind for me was Yugantemba. Yeah, that whole, that's yeah. a good. All of that was pretty gross. That's a good bit with him when he's stomping around on his little snapped legs um, as he yeah. goes. That was a good. That was a good bit of body horror mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, going way back, but uh, the whisper heads, like specifically the whispering before they see the jubel thing, but like just the menacing 
like that a lot. Oh, it's the, happened a couple times. Yes, but. the Samus. And yeah, he's Samus, the and then too. and then again on Davin before you can Temba, like just the hints that something is wrong before, like the dread before the disturbing thing happens. I guess I really like. Yes. So I understand his next question for Walter explains this subject line because I I still had to ask Walter. I was like, what is the subject line? <laughs> <laughs> he said, Walter. How stoked are you to see how fast those answers change when you have to explain slanesh and what the homunculi are? Yes. I feel like homunculi is kind of a, it doesn't just exist in in Warhammer. Are they the same as like what you would normally think of as homunculi? They're not at all. What like they oh. are a thing in Warhammer, but they just borrowed the name because it sounded good, but they don't, they don't oh, resemble okay. like what a traditional homunculi would be. Um, okay. But for, for Eric and Sarah, slanesh, and why it's uh, is referred it's one of the chaos so you know we've seen nergleth they call mm. one of them that's one of the chaos gods is nurgle um slanesh is one of the other ones but it's the chaos god of like debauchery and sensation mm. and all mm. these things so that. <laughs> it's a yeah so it's because there's like so there's four chaos gods and we we had them mentioned like in erebus's ritual they sort of like the architect of fate i think they mentioned and and this so there's corn and he's the blood angry war violent one and there's nurgle who's like disease and decay and entropy and such and then there's zinch that's like uh con- deception and cunning and 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 change and that sort of deal and then slanesh is like debauchery and, and sensation and everything um and the eldar refer to slanesh as she who thirsts um oh, and it's definitely the chaos god that games workshop has the hardest time dancing around because all the others are like oh yeah we'll just put some fucking blood and skulls in there and it'll be great and we'll just make them some zombies and it'll be great and we'll just do some magic things and it'll be great and then it's like we kind of want to keep these a little more PG than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do we how do we show? And uh, they've definitely gone back and forth in both model making and and depictions of Slanesh throughout their books. And they range dramatically. And, and again, our uh, authors always have a hard time with that. But we will see more Slanesh down the road. And it is always exciting to watch a Games Workshop author try to handle it. Don't be afraid to make a sexy, sexy god. Yeah. <laughs> In a terrifying way. Yes. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Because these are all very Lovecraftian type. Yeah, they're they're all, yeah, real creepy and good. So I'm I'm looking very forward. Um homunculi are something that are with the dark Eldar or the Drukari, as they're called, because they had to change all the names to be more copyrightable. But uh the Eld the Eldar we've seen before, and there's a evil version of that. Just like in DD, there's elves and dark elves. Um, in in Warhammer 40k, there's Eldar and Dark Eldar, which are basically the same breakdown. I mean, they stole all these things from fantasy tropes, so <laughs> they're just like you know the Elder race, and then it's like the evil, corrupt version of the Elder race. So, um, but they have homunculi, and they're real creepy and freaky and weird. And yes, um, very uh, fer- homunculi are, are Hellraisers for the most part. Um, ah. And I hope that we'll get to see Cenobites. I suppose we learned last time of the word of Cenobites. But um, yeah, I would love to get into some books that feature them because they they are wild when the uh, <clears throat> when Black Library gets a hold of them and decides to do these things. Sounds fun. Yes. So we have another bit of fan mail that came in, if you can believe that, from Nicola in Macedonia. Can you believe that? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
Oh, Nicola thinks he might be the only fan of Warhammer in uh, Macedonia, which I I don't know. Might maybe, maybe not. Probably not. I like that Nicola called out, especially liking the Dies Irae bit because I was a little I was a little worried that would annoy people. <laughs> um, but he asked uh, a question specifically for Walter. What plan? What plans do we have? Um, of what we're going to read after Galaxy and Flames. Now, uh, he says skipping and choosing through heresy plots, some Astra Militarium books, or maybe one of the crime novels, some of the best 40K novels, in my opinion. Uh, since the crew seems to be interested in that genre, I want to put my vote in for crime novels. Nice. <laughs> um, but w- this is where, I don't know if we've revealed this on the podcast, but in one of uh, Walter's videos for Tabletop, uh, the store where he works, Tabletop Gaming Hobby in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, I was uh, I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw this video where Walter is announcing to the world that we're going to cover Fulgrim <laughs> in the podcast, <laughs> and he had said nothing to us about News that. To us, yeah. And Walter's like, "Did I say we were? I I thought I said might." And I was like, "Oh, you said we well, were." Gonna cover fair it. enough. <laughs> um, I just have to give him a hard time. Uh, but yeah, uh, what are uh, other than maybe Fulgrim at some point? Because I understand that is important somehow to the Horus Heresy, right? I mean, yeah. So we've seen Fulgrim, Fulgrim come in. Yes, I mean the the, the choice that we're going to have to make when we get through because the next book is the last in this trilogy that starts out the Horus Heresy and really sets everything in motion, and they are best consumed as a trilogy. But after that point, you start to see some of the same characters will be in other books, but they really become distinct entities at that point. Um, and they, they go off and you start seeing what like other legions are doing and other primarchs are doing and all these other characters are doing. Mm-hmm. So we will mm-hmm. have to decide, do we want to stick with the heresy and and really uh, dig into more of like what other people are going on, which I love the idea of doing Fulgrim because it's one of my favorite horse heresy books. It also gets mm-hmm. really weird if you want to if you want to see mm-hmm. some. Some of the weird stuff, that's that's the way to go. But there are obviously hundreds of Warhammer books, including they started doing in the last few years a whole series of crime novels, which they're very noir, but 40K. And I think a number of them are delightful. So they are. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be keeping on doing this and we can do both. Yes, yes. We have to <laughs> figure what what the next, but there are uh, so many. But yes, the Astra Militarum, that's normal people in they're the imperial guard they're normal soldiers so there's a lot of books that follow like just this is some dude and sort of sometimes it's fun to see more of the perspective of just a normal person so i guess we don't have a definitive answer of what we're going to do next yet right or i don't think so i think we should start soliciting votes like Um, polls on your instagram stories or something yeah Yeah. oh yeah. yeah okay yeah, we have an Instagram, and I know we some people go there and, and leave comments. Um, my friend Zumi left comments on there the other day, which I appreciated. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, uh, what, well, the one thing I wanted to say is that uh, Nicola mentioned, and I can't remember now if you said this, that Fulgrim is a Graham McNeil novel. <laughs> yes, Fulgrim <laughs> is back to Graham. That is a fact. And. He mentioned uh, it has his usual weirdness and and some bad phraseology about the thoughts of women in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he says that uh, there's more primarchs and laughs at the pomposity of the emperor's yes. children, which I 
always like to laugh at some pompous yes. uh, emperor's children. So. There, there is a a female character I would really like y'all's take on in a uh, full grown <laughs> for sure. So okay, um, well, so, so maybe we'll do full grown after this, and then maybe delve into some other fun stuff. Since you already promised, yeah. I mean, really, at this uh, point, I can't can't go back. No take backs. Can't back out on the full grown yes. thing. Okay. Um, I just, you I, know, that was just really nice that you were plugging our podcast on your store thing. That's yeah. what I. That's my take. Well, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Without telling us what he's saying. Well, I'm. You make it sound like I plan these things any distance in advance. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why I'm I'm the planner yeah. in this household. But yes. <laughs> so. But also, hopefully, there are some other Warhammer fans in Macedonia, and hopefully, enough of them will get together. And when this podcast gets big, and we do our Macedonian live show, and it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love an excuse know, to do... travel. To I mean, a lot of places. We... So fun, fun Shannon fact, and I don't know if this is true of anyone else. Uh, digitally here in this digital room. Um, but I have never been outside the United States. <laughs> I very aspirationally got a um, passport, uh, which I think is going to expire before I actually go anywhere. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we were looking at where people are listening in our analytics and we always see some other countries in here. And I'm like, oh, those are just um, Americans on VPNs. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, Macedonia, that's crazy. Uh, but thanks again uh, to Sam and Nikla for writing in. We would love to hear from other people. Um, if anybody else yeah. wants to uh, write to us, you can write to us at 0240kpod at gmail.com. It's also on our website, 0to40k.com. Um, so yeah, write to us. We'd love to hear from you. And that's officially my plug. So if you guys want to start <laughs> yes. doing any other plugs. Yes. Eric, do you have any plugs for us today? Yeah, I don't have as much to plug. Um, I was going to try to get a bunch of art stuff done this week. And instead, I kind of started prepping for some uh, live shows I'd like to do in the near future. So maybe I can plug that in the days to come. Instead, I will, I guess, um, quote, I haven't used my music token this this week. So I will quote um, Bauhaus's worst song and say that we love our audience. So I'm also going to plug uh, those people, not just our new friends that have written, written us, but our, you know, as Shannon said, um, you know, people that we know personally have said nice things too. So, you know, specifically, thank you, Joanna and, um, you know, everybody. It's been great. All right. Yeah. Joanna also gave me some nice feedback. So I like that. Yeah. Like, love to hear it. <laughs> Sarah, any plugs for us? I just wanted to plug, it's not exactly fan mail, but we mentioned our Instagram and I know we mention it, you know, in our show notes and sign off and stuff, but uh, we got our first piece of fan art on the Instagram yeah. uh, yes. and right. I just wanted to shout out. And so everyone should go check out the Instagram. It's 0240kpod is our account on Instagram. And uh, yeah, from James Pottinger uh, made some fan art for, I guess it's not really for us. It's for the really awesome clip that we got. In yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That we played, uh, but yeah. it was excellent. And, uh, yeah, we post some fun memes. Sometimes we go wild in our discord and post a lot of memes on there. Um, have a good time. So check it out. I think it's a fun, we'd love to hear yeah, from more of you memes. and connect with you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, Eric made chick tracks. 
yeah and some of those horse mm-hmm. horse memes and so yeah yeah delve into our old memes <laughs> yeah i was excited Send us uh, some. Send yeah. Us some oh email. yeah you all made the yeah you made memes and then i made the horse quote memes yes uh-huh. love yes. some memes yeah. so it was cool to see somebody else i'm glad you Sarah, I'm glad you remembered that because it was cool to see somebody else uh, join, joining in the mm-hmm. in the arts yeah. realm with us. Yeah, we also saw that we've finally noticed that we have some reviews on Apple Podcasts and oh, right. on. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean things have just been popping it's off. It's been so a good week I, for I, us, yeah, everybody. Exactly. That's what I said. We love our audience. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, um, I'll just talk about uh, tabletop game and hobby still. My if if you need any Warhammers and you're in the area, we also have a web store. Um, if you need any Warhammers, we're in Overland Park, Kansas, um, <laughs> which is yeah. And then at Tabletop Game and Hobby dot com at Tabletop Game and Hobby dot com. Shannon knows I'm bad at Internet. Um, <laughs> no, I can be. Too. I would also like to plug. I just read the, the Warhammer novel Fall of Cadia. So if any of you are looking for a, a Warhammer book to read and you finished, you've caught up to us and you want to read something else uh, by Robert Rath, who is rapidly becoming one of my favorite Warhammer authors. Um, but again, it's a nice, uh, nice clip where you get to see, again, normal people and how they handle all the nonsense of the 40K universe when everything is exploding around them and everything goes great. It's named Fall of Cadia. No spoilers about how that turns out for Cadia. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, an excellent book. So. And for next episode, we're going to be reading the third book in this opening trilogy of Horus Heresy novels. Uh, This one is Galaxy in Flames by Ben Counter. We'll be reading the first three chapters. So chapters one through three, Galaxy in Flames, Ben Counter, and we'll be talking about them next episode of Zero to 40K. Walter knew Warhammer real well, so he seized every opportunity to tell anyone he could about the books, but no one ever gave them a second look. So he thought, hey, I'll start a podcast. And he gathered around him together at last. Three friends willing to jump into the fray and go from zero to 40. Zero to 40K was created by our war master, Walter Stewart. Production by Administrator Shannon Tierney. Music by Eric Strangefellow. Special thanks to Sarah Fecky. Check out everything we're up to at 0240k.com.